Well, it is uh, about 4th of July weekend. I don't know if you've picked up on that. Uh, it's kind of a big deal around here. So it happens every year, and it always catches me by surprise. How about you? <laughs> I'm sitting in my study last night preparing the, the slides for today, and I guess it was the neighborhood uh, fireworks celebration. Uh, either that or I was in a combat zone. I'm not sure which happened, but all of a sudden I was like under the desk going, oh, wait, it's 4th of July, right? <laughs> it's okay. But uh, yeah, it kind of caught me by off guard, and, and I was just talking with uh, John this morning. It's like, man, this year is flying by. I don't know how it's going so fast. But anyway, we're here. We're here to talk about freedom. We are uh, finishing up today our series called Legacy. Legacy is something that you give to the next generation, and oftentimes in modern society, we talk about legacy as in some funds that I want to leave, some money or property or other valuables that we want to leave to that next generation. But as Jesus followers, I think we have something far deeper to leave behind. And that's what we're going to talk about today, where we've been. If you ever want to catch on YouTube or Facebook, we've been over the path in the stones. Today, ironically, we're talking about the freedom. <laughs> I'm wearing red, white, and blue, so it must, must all come together, right? Your, your outfit always has to match the sermon, in case you're wondering, right? <laughs> I'm very particular that way. <laughs> It's, it's white. It's got white in it. Exactly. All right. So how many people are fans of the Olympics? Yeah. How many people are fans of rowing in the Olympics? You know, I'm, are you really? Crew, yeah. Oh, crew. Yeah. So cool. So I, I really wasn't that, you know, okay, there's a bunch of people out there. They're pulling oars. But I did a little research for the sermon, and I became fascinated at the, the requirement to work together to make all this happen. And, and so what, this, uh, what I'm going to talk about today is this eight-man crew from Great Britain. Now, they were, uh, let's see, the last time they won a gold medal was uh, 1912. <laughs> Had not won a gold medal in eight-man crew since 1912. I mean, there's been a few Olympics since then, right? And so they, they were just, uh, they weren't even in the top five, if that gives you the idea. They, they were always finishing like seven, eight in, in that area. And in 2000, when the Olympics went to Sydney, they said, all right, enough of this. And, and so this is actually a picture of the team warming up. And the part that I began to appreciate is the precision with which these guys have to work together. So they actually brought in some specialists, some performance specialists, and they started looking at their form and their technique. And uh, my, my favorite part of this picture is look at the size of the dudes rowing and then look at the size of the dude in the back. That would be me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Put that little light guy back there because he doesn't have any weight. He's just telling you where to go because that's what I do. I just tell people where to go. Anyway, so uh, they brought in all these performance experts and uh, we're doing all this stuff and, and it re wasn't really helping. You would think that they bring in the experts that they would magically get better. Well, not so much. Until one of the team members said, you know what? Let's just ask this one simple question. Is what we're doing going to make this boat go faster? That's it. And, and so this became the key question. Will it make the boat go faster? And everything that that team did, every decision that they took, every path that they went was based on the answer to this question. Is what I'm doing or about to do going to make this boat go faster? So the, the crew is out at a party, uh, and it's you know bedtime, but they oh, I'll just stay late and party. Uh, well, will that make the boat go faster? No. Okay, so I got I to gotta go get rest, right? Uh, man, I really love donuts. I'm just going to chow down on donuts. Well, will that make the boat go faster? 
that might make the boat sink, right? But it will not make the boat go faster, right? So no, I'm, not, I'm, gonna, well, I'm gonna watch my diet. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna give 50% at training today because I'm just not feeling it. Will that make the boat go faster? No. And so this one simple question absolutely transformed the Great Britain's rowing team in 2000. And guess what? They smashed the competition and won gold in, in Sydney in 2000. All because they devoted themselves to the answer to one simple question. Is what I'm about to do, will it make the boat go faster? And I thought, wow, how simple and how wonderful that is. And to boot, they, they were able to leave a legacy of pride because let's face it, if you haven't won a medal since 1912 and it's 2000, the legacy is not good. Let's just say that. But it's been transformed. And ironically, there's an entire company that the, the captain of that team uh, founded after that Olympics called, guess what? Will it make the boat go faster? You can Google it if you want. They've got a whole series of things that you can research and, and the leadership and all that stuff. So it, it absolutely fascinated me. But since we're talking about legacy, uh, you know, we talk about the team not having one since 1912 and then smashing it in 2000. Uh, sometimes we kind of wonder about what legacy should I leave? It, have I not won a medal since 1912? Uh, what am I handing down to my family? What is the expectation? How will they view life? How will they do life? And, and oftentimes we get into these contemplative modes when we're either uh, approaching more years, more trips around the sun, or, or maybe a life crisis has come up and you begin to wonder, what is it that's really important? What legacy will I leave? And if you haven't had that question yet, I bet you will. Uh, but let me just say this, it's better to think about it now than at the last minute, because there's only so much you can do at the last minute. But if we are deliberate about the legacy we leave now, we can build a strong legacy, and we can give something of far greater value to the next generation than just a hedge fund or a piece of property. So my encouragement today is let's, let's be this now. Let's be in this mode of what will I leave for the next generation? for my children and for my children's children. Now for me, I recognize a theme in my life. Uh, <laughs> the legacy that I wanted to leave was freedom. Now, I was raised in a family that, that, that believed in freedom and believed in service to freedom, which sounds like an oxymoron. You're telling me you have to be a servant to have freedom? Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, it does. I, I, I was raised, my, my brothers and I went through Boy Scouts, we did all that, uh, you know, military family, did all that, served my country, and, and freedom was very important to me. Now, let me just throw this little caveat out there. Freedom is important to all of us, whether we realize it or not. But here's the problem that I'm seeing in, in the current society. We want the rights of freedom, but we don't want the responsibilities of freedom. That's where it gets dangerous, folks. Because unless we're willing to invest, unless we're willing to serve for that freedom, we can lose that freedom. And if you don't believe me, look around the world. There are places that have lost freedom and, and places that are losing freedom. And so the time to think about this is now. For me personally, I gave 21 great years of my life to the country. Uh, I'm happy to do it, glad to do it again. They let me, but they tell me I'm too old. <laughs> Whatever, it's just a number, right? <laughs> But as I was doing that, I became aware of an even greater freedom because if the freedom of the United States, which is not perfect, but it's a lot better than a lot of places in the world, if that freedom is, is so cherished, how much more so 
the freedom from sin and even the power of death that Jesus gives. See, now that's the freedom that I really want to leave behind. That's the freedom that should be the basis for this. And it was the basis for this. The question is, will it be the basis for this? Well, that depends. That depends on the legacy that we, as Jesus followers, leave. So for me, my journey went through yeah, freedom as in the United States, but oh wait, there's a deeper freedom still. That's the legacy I want to target. Because if I do that right, everything else will fall into place. I'm convinced. Now, I mentioned earlier that there are places that have lost freedom, and, and that's true. Paul had a similar situation at a church in Galatia. And so we're going to jump into Galatians this morning. <clears throat> but let me set the stage. The church that he's writing to, he planted. He got it right. He got it off to a start. They were doing great. They understood that the law was no longer binding them and holding them down and making this oppressive weight. It was grace through Jesus Christ that sets them free and the forgiveness that he offers. And they were doing wonderfully. And then some false teachers came in behind Paul and began criticizing the way that they were doing church, specifically around Old Testament laws like circumcision and some of the foods that they ate or didn't eat. And we're convincing them that, no, you need to do this. This is the mark of whether you're you know, uh, saved or not. And all that law began, began to weigh on them again, began to weigh them down. And Paul writes to him in this circumstance to say, look, you guys were doing so well. Why are you taking back on this heavy burden that Christ freed you from? So that's where we pick up the text today, maybe, or maybe not. Uh, the... <laughs> The word of God is a mystery, and one never knows. Fortunately, I have a small tab, if I can get my fingers working. No worries. See, that's when you have to go to this version that doesn't have batteries, right? So we're in Galatians chapter 5, my screen time, right? Uh, Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. This is what Paul says to the church in, in uh, Galatia. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. Did you catch the oxymoron in Paul as well? You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge uh, your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is the great paradox, right? Christian freedom is service to others. To be free in Christ, I must be servant of Christ. That makes no sense to me on the surface. But bear with me as we walk through this, and you'll see that the best way to be free is to serve Christ. Now, that may or may not make sense to you. That's okay, but we will get there eventually. So this idea of freedom in Christ. Oh, hey, there it is. Look at that. All right. You guys are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so this freedom in Christ paradox. There are two things that we need to look at when we look at this, this paradox of freedom in Christ. And the first is the role of the law. Now, when Christ came, does he say, just, you know, the law is no good. It has no purpose. Just toss it out altogether and do whatever you want. No, that's not the freedom that Christ is talking about. See, the law is a very good diagnostic tool. It's a terrible cure, but it's a great diagnostic tool. 
Now, what do I mean by that? If you go to the doctor and they give you a blood test, and that blood test says, ooh, there's a marker here, we think you have something that we need to follow up. Well, the blood test is not the cure. The blood test lets you know something's wrong. The cure comes later. And that cure might be uh, medicine, it might be a change of diet, it might be surgery, it might be whatever. But the, the, the blood test is not what cures you, it's what diagnoses you. The law is not what cures you. It's not what saves you and your, your ability to adhere to the law. The law is a diagnostic tool that says, hey man, something's wrong in your life, in our lives. What's the cure? I lobbed a softball. Yes. <laughs> There's a giant softball lobbing right over home plate. Yes. Jesus is the cure. Absolutely, Jesus is the cure. So we have to properly understand that the law is still valuable to us as a diagnostic tool, but it is no longer our cure. Our cure is found in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he already made. Now, here's another thing that we need to understand about freedom in Christ. We need to look at human nature. And this is the gospel according to Bill for just a minute. Here's how I see all this. We were created to be attached. We were created to be attached to God in the garden. He created us because he wanted company. And he, wanted to, he, he walked in and among us. And so we are wired like a puzzle piece. We are fitted to have that connection to God. But ever since the fall, that little puzzle piece has been pulled out. But the desire to be connected has not left us. And so we, like this stray puzzle piece, are constantly looking for that place that we will fit and will find fulfillment in. And we will try anything and everything. Some of us uh, might try alcohol. Some of us might try drugs. Some of us might try work. Ooh, ooh, that one's a little too close to home. Uh, some of us might try uh, any other thing that you can think of that looks good on the surface and, and provides some short-term uh, pleasure of connection. But in the long term, it, it never satisfies us. Because we were wired to be connected to God, that, that puzzle piece doesn't quite fit anywhere else except for God. And so the more things that we try to plug into, uh, the more we experience that initial rush and then, ooh, that big disappointment. In other words, uh, this is going to sound weird, but bear with me. We're made to be slaved to something. We're made to connect. And we're made to be slaved to God. Because when we live in his perfect will and we do what he says, everything is a wonderful thing. If we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's kind of like I'm, in, I'm, I'm bound to him. And because of that, now I can fulfill this great command of love neighbor as myself. But anytime I disconnect from that and try to connect to something else, it's never going to work out. So in essence, this freedom in Christ is to be bound to Christ because we're free of everything else. Ask yourselves what result you get when you bind yourself to these other things. Initial pleasure, boredom, weight, guilt, shame, disconnect from God, all these other things that start to come after that. But it's after that, meaning it looks good up front and then I, I get to this place. So we are wired to be connected to God. And when we say freedom in Christ, if we're just free floating, that's not freedom. If we're doing whatever we want, that's not freedom. 
That's anarchy. That's chaos. But if we're wired to God through love, then we are free. Does this make sense to anyone now? If, if so, could you explain it to me? <laughs> we'll keep going. We'll keep going. It all gets better. It all gets better. All right, so here's another way to, to look at uh, this, this question of I, can I do anything I want or now that the law's not there, do I have to pay attention to those things and, and how it affects people? Well, we're going to turn real quick to 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23 and 24. This is Paul writing now to Corinth who had similar issues. You, you detect a theme that is common in human beings here. Like, well, freedom means I can do whatever I want. No, no, it doesn't. Here's what Paul has to say. I, ha I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. There's that binding to Christ again. See, it's not about me. Freedom is never just for me. That unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, that's not freedom. That's not the freedom Christ died for. That's not the freedom that is handed down. The freedom that is handed down is for all of us as community. Because not only are we wired to be connected to God, believe it or not, we're wired to be connected to each other. That's the way God made us. Even that person that you don't, dis that you don't agree with, even that person that gets on your nerves, even that person that you're not really sure why you or they are here, we're wired to be together. Not everything is beneficial. Well, when I'm thinking about somebody else, if, if something that I'm doing technically is okay to do, according to the word as I understand it, but it's a hang-up for them, then maybe out of consideration for them, I don't do that thing. Let me give you one example. We were, uh, back in the day, uh, you might have heard I was in the Air Force. <laughs> this gets mentioned every week, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> We were flying, we had to divert, and we landed, and there were, I think, four instructors there, four instructor pilots. And so, uh, it, not proud of this, but this is the way it was back in the day. So what do you do when you're stranded at night and you're four instructor pilots? Well, you go out and, and have a great time. And so we decided that we were gonna go do that, and this one guy was like, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling it, no. And so what do, what do good instructor pilots do? We give him a whole bunch of grief. Oh, come on, you sissy. You, uh, we just started laying into this guy, and he would not budge. And something in my heart said, there's something's going on here. This is not normal. Like, most anybody would have caved by now, but there's something going on. And so the other two guys are getting ready to go. I was like, hey, I'll be with you in just a minute. Uh, I got I to go to the bathroom or something. I made some excuse, and I lingered behind, and I said, hey, is there something going on here that, that uh, is a little deeper than appears on the surface? Come to find out, he was a recovered alcoholic. And man, did I feel like this tall at that point. It's like, oh, come on, don't be a sissy. Go out with the boys. Yeah, blah, blah. When I found that out, I was like, ooh, yeah, no, that, that, yeah, could I do that? Could I, could I be okay in doing that? Yeah, I could at that time. But he couldn't. And so me inviting him was a big stumbling block for him. Me pressuring him was an even bigger stumbling block for him. And thank God that he had the integrity to say, no, I'm not doing that. Not everything is beneficial. The other thing that it says is not everything is constructive. Well, there's an interesting word, constructive. Constructive is like construction. Construction assumes that we're building something. 
So yeah, I can do things, but is it constructive? Is it building something? Well, as Jesus followers, what are we building? Disciples, right? Ideally. And that could be me or that could be us. But we're, if we're constructing disciples, then we're building people up in Christ. Not everything is constructive. So we have to start asking some questions about these. What are we constructing? We're constructing disciples of Christ, those who will become just like Jesus. And where does that start? Well, it starts with me. Before, it's, before I can help anybody else, I gotta, I gotta learn it myself. Am I perfect at it? Nope. Is anybody? Not unless your name is Jesus. <laughs> but we're still working on it, right? The second question I have to ask is, okay, we're, dis we're constructing disciples, but to what end? This is my favorite question. I, I love this question. To what end? So that uh, Jesus can take over the world and have the, the one mind controlling everyone like Sauron, the great eye? No. No, that, that's totalitarian control. Jesus uh, wants to have the world envelop his way of being because we love each other and because we love him first. That's a whole different way of living. That's what we were created for. That's Eden. That's the Garden of Eden. That's paradise. That's heaven. That's what heaven should look like. So to what end? We're building disciples so that more people will become disciples and more people will become like Christ. And as we become more like Christ, this place gets a whole lot better to live in. Can you imagine living in a place where we, we all learn to forgive each other? We all learn to care for each other. We're looking out for each other. Here's a great irony in all of this. If I just look out for myself, there's one person looking out for me. But if I'm in a community of people where we're looking out for each other, well, I've got 50 people looking out for me. Which would you rather have, one or 50? I'd rather have 50, especially because many of you are more skilled in ways than I am not. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> All right, so here's the ultimate question, word, sir. We're constructing disciples. These disciples are so that this world is a better place and ushers in the kingdom of heaven and so that we all get to spend this in eternity. Now, how do we do this? Well, it hit me as I was sitting there at the computer. What if WordServe, like that British rowing team, had one simple question and every decision that we took based on that one question would guide everything that we do or don't do? You remember their question? Will it make the boat go faster? Well, what's the question for WordServe? Here's my proposal. Will it make a disciple? So here's how this works, WordServe. Here's the challenge. For the month of July, I want you to ask this question. I want you to write it on your mirror, tape it to your screens. I don't know, write it on your forehead backwards so when you look at the mirror, you can read it, I, whatever. But this question, let's live for one month with this question and ask myself, will it make a disciple? Will these words that I'm about to say help make a disciple? Will this road rage that I'm getting caught up in help make a disciple? Will, this, will these things that I'm surfing on the web help make a disciple? Will my habits help make a disciple? Will the activities that I engage in on a day-to-day -day basis, will that help make a disciple? Because if the answer is no, then let's pledge together just for one month. Let's try it. See what happens. If the, if the answer is no, we don't do it. But if the answer is yes, we do it with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Can you imagine what a difference that would make? 
That would be like since 1912, we haven't had a baptism. Word serve hasn't been around that long, but if, if it were the case. But if we do this, what are we capable of? More importantly, not just what we accomplish in this life, but what legacy are we building to leave behind if we do this and only this? That is the mission. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all the lands, right? There is no other mission. So there should be no other question. And if there's no other question, there should be no actions that go counter to that question. That's the way this works. So when we think about what legacy we might like to live, here's my recommendation, word, sir. Let's leave a legacy of freedom, freedom in Christ. And if we do that right, everything else takes its place. So if you've been playing the home game and you want to recap this entire series of the legacy that we're leaving behind, the first session was to watch for God. And when we see him move, we move out with him and we follow him. We don't lead him. We don't manipulate him. We follow him. The second one is as we follow him and we have stories to tell, we tell the stories. We become the living stones that remind people of what God has done. But all of that is for naught. If we're living under the slavery of sin, that yoke that is heavy, that weighs us down and holds us back, we were called to be free. And if the sun sets us free, then we are free indeed. Words are, let's answer one question for the month of July. Will it make a disciple? Let's live in freedom. And more importantly, let's leave a legacy of freedom. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for the freedom that Jesus offers us. Whether we take it or not, well, that's up to us. God, help us to break free of that yoke of slavery to sin. Help us to answer this question honestly. Will it make a disciple? And help us not to, to take that question in shame or in guilt, but rather to say, this is an opportunity to change my life, the life of my family, the life of the place that I work, my school, my community, and my world. God, you have paid a great price to bring us this freedom. Help us to be good stewards of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 